Hi and welcome to the Homeopathy Health Show. I'm Atik Ahmad Bhatti, a fourth generation homeopath with over 25 years of professional experience and practice in this field of healing. The Homeopathy Health Show is the online voice of homeopathy around the world, promoting and raising awareness of this truly unique complementary system of healing, which is suitable for all ages, young and old. Every week I invite guests from the world of homeopathy to come and share their experiences, their work, offer insights and essentially talk all things homeopathy. Why not visit www.liketreatslike.co.uk and click on the radio and podcast button to listen to the latest episodes. So let's begin today's show here on UK Health Radio, the world's number one talk health radio. Hi and welcome to another episode of the Homeopathy Health Show here on UK Health Radio. I'm Atika Madbati. I'm delighted to have Mike Bridger on today's podcast. He's the founder and principal of the Contemporary College of Homeopathy, which is based in Bristol in the UK. Mike is passionate about clear and accessible information in homeopathy. He wants students to leave the college able to successfully and effectively communicate to patients about their illness in a meaningful and easily understood way. Mike also finds time to teach at the Centre for Homeopathic Education, the CHE. Mike Bridger, um, absolute pleasure to have you on today's Homeopathy Health podcast. Thank you so much for, for taking the time out. Well, thank you for having me on this lovely sunny day. It is sunny indeed, and it's even sunnier because you're on. So that oh, that's just... very sweet of you. <laughs> We've never met before. No, but it does seem that we have now. We've oh, certainly that's had. Good. <laughs> that's good. I have lots to ask you, Mike. Uh, but the first question is: uh, What was your first introduction to homeopathy, as such? I my first introduction to homeopathy was there's an arts college near where I am now, actually, at Dartington College of Art. And I remember I was doing a writing course, writing, playwriting. And I remember I lived in this little log cabin with a girlfriend and this woman came up and started talking that she'd been for homeopathic treatment. And I said, what's that? And she said, well, you get a pill. I said, what's in it? She said, I don't know, nothing. And I just thought this was the height of insanity. Absolutely insane. Mm. Nothing in it or hardly anything what for she didn't know and i just thought this is great looking back that was the first time i ever heard anybody mention anything about homeopathy so um that was sort of where it started and i as a shock, shock <laughs> it started shock. in a anybody shock didn't it could pay money for a pill with nothing in it one pill i couldn't believe it then years, you know, how we learn to regret our <laughs> cynicism. Um, then I went into playwriting, became a playwright, was writing plays. A girlfriend at the time said, said, oh, there's this advert for a course in homeopathic medicine in Tiverton. I said, what's that? And she said, it's treating people with sort of plants and snake venoms. And I thought, wow, wow. That's really interesting. That was my first, and I don't know why, sort of something clicked. And I just thought, I'd like to study where you study. So I'm never particularly good at studying anything, really. 
up to that point, apart from theatre. And I got a book and read about sort of plants and so on. I thought it was brilliant, utterly brilliant, really clicked. And then I decided to do an interview. It was a part-time course. I did an interview on it. And I've got a book, Lectures, can you believe this? My first book, which is on philosophy by Ken. I mean, heavy going or what? Wow. But I absolutely, I just, I remember reading this on a coach going up to Edinburgh, an overnight coach from Devon. And I was just, I couldn't believe the, the sense of it. It was just... It's like a lot of people were saying about homeopathy. It's like coming home. You suddenly feel it just sits with you. And that was it, really. After that, I went on to study in London and never looked back, really. That's Maybe. a really amazing story, actually. Uh, yeah. really is, because uh, it's just literally the way it started. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, from, from shock to, to love, passion and commitment, isn't yeah. it? And I could have just joined the Navy, you know, being an officer in the Royal Navy. Mm. Just about missed it by the skin of my teeth. Thank God. Not only for <laughs> me, but for the Royal Navy, I think, probably. <laughs> I'd be on a better pension, that's for sure. Oh, boy. Yeah, you mentioned theatre, actually. Were you in theatre before? Yeah, that's where I started. I started studying theatre language, and then I just got into writing plays. And I suppose that's part of the thing. You know, there's quite a link between medicine and... and um, uh playwriting and writing in general i think it's to do with i mean i just said i was 23 you know 22 20 and i realized you know sitting in a bedsit writing characters and I, I don't know anything about anybody i don't know anything about people really and i suppose that was part of the attraction was when you become a homeopath you're just listening to story story after story and it's like you're a cross between you know a priest a psychotherapist a doctor, you know, all sorts of things come into play. And, wow, the privilege of it all was just to hear story after story and be paid to hear story after story and prescribe. It was just, and still is, pretty exciting. I love it. It, it is, isn't it? The best job yeah. in the world. It really yeah. is. Yeah. And the fact that the results are so evident and so fluid and so beautiful and so lasting yeah that's just like the icing on the cake you know when a, when you when a patient phones back or follow-up consultation and the results are there and yeah. they're relieved as well and and of course the practitioner himself or herself are relieved you know yeah yeah for sure couldn't agree more so your journey led you also to founding the contemporary college itself yeah well i just i there was Certainly in the UK, I don't know other countries, but in the UK, there was a sort of split. There was a lot of splits going on and about what homeopathy is, you know. But I started my own college, essentially, and I called it the Contemporary College. But essentially, it was classical in the real meaning of the word, you know, the the, the real history, the Hanumanian story hmm. of what classical means. Um, so it was, yeah, it was lovely. It started up in a little place in Taunton it grew and grew it spread we ran clinics and so on it's like pretty much on the same format apart from the differences I'm just talking about as as any other college you know mm. it was very exciting to do we had we actually set up the clinic in a medical center in Taunton which was great because I said to the GPs there that I was working with at the time you know we can have this college and it'll be free to patients 
hospital is cheaper than the NHS because they won't even have to pay for the prescriptions. So they were happy with that. So it was a nice sort of fusion of, if you like, allopathic, well, not allopathic, they were a nice bunch of doctors and um, homeopathy. So it was a great introduction to the outside world of homeopathy being seen as part of a medical centre, you know. And and how was that with um, with the patients and students alike, actually? Well, I mean, they really liked it. It was, in a way, it didn't make that much difference. It was just purely, really, location. But I suppose in the sense of, actually, homeopathy is now part, perceived to be part of the health system, um, was was a good thing. I mean, we didn't make it part of that. That was the only thing in, actually had. But, I mean, at that time, it's amazing the difference now. I was working in three medical centres, you know, as a homeopath. And um, that was really interesting. So things have changed a lot now. You wouldn't, you very rarely would see that now. Were the doctors themselves savvy with homeopathy or did they require you to explain it to them? And Yeah, they did really. I mean, I remember being really shocked because I, I remember a first meeting where, you know, we all got together and I talked about homeopathy and I thought there's going to be an argument of principle and philosophy Except there wasn't an argument because, of course, really, they don't have one. There was no philosophy. There was no principle. I'm talking about cure, the law of cure and stuff. And it's like I had no idea what I was talking about. Mm. So it was a bit pointless, really, in some ways. Some One or two of them got it. We did some trials with Exeter University and into asthma and stuff like that, which was quite useful. But overall, you know, no great shakes, really. So, uh, Mike, what was it like in the early days then, as far as um, students and uptake and teachers, finding teachers, of course, or was were you just teaching yourself? No, no, we had, um, I mean, uh, in terms of teachers, there were plenty of teachers around. There were lots of colleges, lots more than there are now. There were lots of my colleagues and so on I got in. I made sure it was reasonably eclectic and that, the, you know, it wasn't just my, I mean, the overall umbrella if you like, the, the principles were mine in that they were just homeopathy, homeopathic. There was no great shakes to that. But I did have different people coming with slightly different approaches. I mean, I had Dion Tabret, who's very clinical, um, loves Burnett, you know, so that was stuff I didn't really, wasn't that au favorite, so I had him doing that. Tony Hurley, who teach, taught at CHE and still does, a bit more onto sort of the myth myth and that kind of way of presenting remedies so it was a variety yeah it was a good variety and uh as far as the students how, how would you go about sort of uh did you find a good influx a steady stream yeah at the beginning pretty much yeah you just used to put an advert in the paper then i mean it's oh, yes of now. course yeah how <laughs> different times are now <laughs> totally aren't they you know an advert in the paper a postcard on some library <laughs> You know, now, crikey, it's much more. And then you just have an open day and people would turn up. And that would be it. That would be your marketing. I mean, now it's the whole, which I know nothing about, is, you know, Facebook or whatever it is and using social media. I'm absolutely useless at that. But I've always thought that it's the quality, of the, you know, that will pull the students, really. The better the quality, the better the reputation. Mm. A bit like being a homeopath. You can do loads of marketing, but if you're not very good at homeopathy, you don't understand it well, you're not going to do terribly well. But if you get a patient better, that's where your marketing is in getting someone better. The same with the college. Getting a student to go out and be able to practice with what you taught them. It spreads. You know, That's, that's so true. I think when I started 25 years ago, this is all I... Um, I, I, I didn't advertise... 
And in those days, advertising nowadays, it's very easy to just get on the mobile phone or a PC and and you can do a lot. But yeah. it was all it was all word of mouth, like I think predominantly with with like all homeopaths. And um, yeah. in fact, Mike, it's interesting because when I started, somebody said to me, a friend of mine who's a homeopath in uh, Yorkshire, he said to me, it's going to take you at least, it's going to take you about 10 years before you're in your element or you actually know really what's going on. Yeah. And personally, that's so true. Yeah. It actually does take that. It's it's a commitment, isn't it? It's not just yeah. a journey. Homeopathy is a commitment. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think you're right. It's it's well, it's a it's a bug, isn't it? You, it's you're just caught, really. Yes. I, mean, I, I kind of. I think it's also very healthy to say. You know, people ask me. I say, no, it's a job, nine to five. Not quite true, but it's quite good as a practitioner to keep that in mind. You know, you do need to stop at the end of the day, and as you say, get out and cook a meal and all the rest of it, and not become too obsessed. Otherwise, you end up burnt out. You know, that's that's so true. And 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 in fact, I, I would go further because. As a homeopath, I, I personally feel that all homeopaths are very sent because of the compassion. Of course, you have to have compassion to be able to help somebody, to want to help somebody, to, yeah. to help them heal. Yeah. But that makes us quite sensitive as, as individuals. Yeah. So there's a lot of illness carries a lot of negative vibrations. Of course, it does, or, mm. or, or vibrations which are very, have spikes in them. Mm. And that affects, uh, of course, it affects uh, anyone who is trying to help. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think there's a hell of a difference between, you know, people often get it wrong. You know, the, the overly, particularly when you start out overly sort of sympathetic and I care for everybody and I love everybody and phone me anytime, day or night, all those boundaries broken. And what you see is you end up with homeopath burnt out at the end, mm. actually burning out. And uh, so, there's a hell of a difference between sympathy and empathy. You know, empathy is, you know, not colluding with the patient about what's going on with them. You know, because often that will happen too. It's like, oh, they're completely understand. Up to a point, that's fine. But you've got to keep that objectivity and distance to be able to observe what's going on. You know, mm. what is going on here? What is the problem? Are they resentful? Are they indignant? Those kind of judgment calls are really important in homeopathy. And that's where we get unstuck if we're not careful. We start putting our own stuff onto the analysis of the patient. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now there's some good news on the horizon, isn't there? Because uh, we were talking just before the podcast and you mentioned by the end of this year, there's going to be a postgraduate course that the uh, Contemporary College is going to be offering to homeopaths. Yeah. I mean, that's we, we, we've had it for years. It just it sort of went by the wayside a bit. I um, it went to CHE. I got Marcus involved, Marcus Fernandez from CHE. Um, he st started to teach on it as well, the three principles. But it's, it's sort of just slowed down and stopped. But we're going to resurrect it um, probably in December. And yeah, that's 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 a lovely, you know, a lovely course. Yeah, it's like a weekend a month. But it's really what you need to know, because a lot of people spend three, four years, so much stuff congested in their head with all this material. It's like, what do you actually need? What do you need to practice? So really is keeping it down to the foundation, the fundamentals of practice, um, basic philosophy, although it isn't basic, of course. It's, it's through the eyes of people who have graduated and studied and are now practicing it gives them a really a 3D 
interpretation of what they're doing really clearly really clear guidelines absolutely yeah so it's a great course we love teaching actually wonderful yeah i was quite interested to know uh, that you've taught or you are teaching perhaps all over the world um the us iceland finland yeah. ireland so um how does uh, are you teaching in specific colleges or do you have satellite uh, offices as well or, or training no, it's, it's just when invited really at colleges and so on or to run a webinar or seminars and things so in ireland it's a mixture of both i teach at the irish school and um you know we organize a, a sort of seminar three-day seminar there in the west coast of ireland which is great so it varies you know from place mm. to place i had mary barr actually from the irish school on a few weeks ago on the podcast i'm yeah, uh, sorry yeah. from the belfast school rather okay yeah 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 yeah. i know them all mike i know you take a particular interest in uh, remedy relationships do share what happens you know when a remedy doesn't work when it does a little when it aggravates all that sort of stuff it's kind of there a bit but not much not as much as it should be you think really a busy practice is one of follow-ups you know and it's not difficult to get a remedy that works first time because it's probably the similimum, and therefore the patient's reasonably healthy, presents as calcarb really clearly, that's great. But more often than not, we're dealing with the movement of energy, which shifts from place to place. And that energy, when it shifts, is where does it shift to? A new remedy? Another remedy? Or does it need a repeat? Or is it miasm appearing? All those issues are the meat of what we do. So, you know, I... I had a case where um, the first case where I really got interested was one of those awful cases where I, I was treating a woman with cow carb, actually. She'd got various problems. I was doing very well on cow carb. Um, and a few months later, phoned up and said she was bleeding from the rectum. And I thought, what do I do now? I repertorized again and it came up cow carb. Well, I couldn't give it again. I don't know whether I tried or not. I might have done. Couldn't give it again. And anyway, I was getting in a path. I thought, what do I do? This is, you know, you know, the homeopathy is not working. And another one of those marvellous things, a bit like how I ended up in college with my girlfriend finding a postcard. I happened, I was probably packing my bags ready to go to prison. And um, when it all went wrong, and I was just, I think it was, I'm pretty sure it was Hanneman's Materia Medica Pura. I just was looking and it said, if in calc carb i'm looking at it, it's just there if calc carb aggravates look to mercury or nitric acid i'm pretty sure it was hanneman actually i thought oh my what you know phoned up the one said what's the color of the blood she said bright red said the nitric acid take nitric acid it's gone in 10 minutes and i thought wow i wouldn't have known that if i hadn't read that then I wouldn't have known that. So the countless examples where, you know, you get something like that happen, you, you, you think, shall I re-prescribe? Well, you need another remedy. And I, so I looked into that a lot and started really compiling clinical lists of remedy reactions and depacting acute remedies and really got, got well bedded into it. It's my thing, really. You know, it's mm -hmm. like, I love the sort of, and, and a lot of this stuff is, sounds theoretical, but, you know, it's like uh, Kent talking about arsenicum and saying it's not deep acting. Well, what did that mean? I didn't really know at the time. 
you realize it's really important because he goes on to say, you know, it's not deep acting enough in cases of pneumonia. You think it's working. Patients, I'm, I'm obviously not quoting him, but, you know, you can give it, it starts to work, patient dies. How can that be? It was the indicated remedy. He then goes to talk on about, um, you know, arsenic, and once the stage of pneumonia reaches a stage of hepatization, you need to find a deeper acting remedy. Often phosphorus or sulfur. You think, wow, this is gold. And it's the same thing borne out with Douglas Borland, you know, in, in the homeopathic hospital who practiced here in London. Said the same thing about arsenic. So we're talking about acute chronic remedies. We're talking about that some remedies don't do the job because they're not covering the pathology. And the remedies that are around the remedy you've given is going to be related. But the whole thing is utterly fascinating. Of course, that leads to follow-ups, how to deal with aggravations, when a remedy does nothing. There's a whole language there that's in bits and pieces in the books. You know, it's like this remedy, carbo-veg, follows lycopodium well if it's not working. Actually, it's, it's more than that. It's about this deep, acute, chronic, you can give a remedy, not doing enough. You know, you, you don't know why, you repeat it, or people say we go higher or lower. Actually, it's probably the nature of the remedy, and it needs a related remedy, which is, let's say, deeper acting or vice versa. So I think it's, to me, it became the mainstay of how I practice is looking at that clinical relationship. I'm not really bothered about plants, minerals, all that stuff. It can be true, but it can also, you can have exceptions to it. You know, does that make sense? You know, like, plant is not as deep acting as metal well you know hang on what about thuya thuya is a plant it's very deep acting so it didn't really i didn't go down that road of um you know periodic tape all those other things it's really clinical stuff that's been observed in practice that i've seen myself and um, you can rely on it as you know, a very good source so that's that's basically the potted story you know, as you was as you were talking about that, I actually was picturing Kent, and then I was picturing um, Dr. Hahnemann. It's there's some some there's the, the beauty of homeopathy is, and and I and I don't want to make it sound like it is simply. I I don't mean it in that way, but I mean the beauty of it is it's it's simple compared to perhaps how we are how disease is is treated nowadays. So you know, it's it's a it's just a few steps. A patient comes in, it's a consultation, observation, the experience of the homeopath, and of course, then there, there's some work in the background. Yeah. And remedies are given. Yeah. Um, but how incredible these homeopaths were from Dr. Samuel Hahnemann on. Yeah. I mean, to come up with relationships of remedies, to come up with modalities, to come up with the minutest detail of a remedy my god you know that takes that yeah. takes some commitment and dedication and time doesn't it totally totally it's amazing well, isn't it, it? Yeah, absolutely you know it's all all visual it's like myers i'm thinking about how did canman come with myers yeah. Yeah. wow <laughs> starting to observe groups of patients and saying they seem to suffer from certain conditions and then taking it down to sora syphilis and you know psychosis Utterly brilliant, utterly brilliant. And, and I think, and, and Mike, and to be able to do that, um, in uh, uh, Dr. Hahnemann, to be able to do that over and above everything else that was going around in his life, as you know, you know, he had to move quite frequently 
um, and he had to take his family with him and he's lugging his stuff along. And and then, of course, all the um, the unwanted enemies uh, that saw him becoming very successful, who, who then sort of were quite, well, for want of a better word, you know, persecuting him. Yeah. But then to still come up with something so incredible. Yeah. Mind boggling, isn't it? Honestly. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and you think all that, that, I mean, one of the things is, as I said, you know, writer, I'm a writer by nature. And, you know, that part of that's about being original, originality. And I have to say with homeopathy, it doesn't work. I've never found anything beyond what's there in those books as being workable. Other people say they have, but, you know, it's being very careful that new systems and new this new look in homeopathy really i don't think so you look at the old masters and their books you know and what they put at the beginning is, this is dedicated to my profession it may help a little uh this is you know the humility that's there that's absolutely essential to be a homeopath is humility you know, I found, Mike, I'm not sure if, if, if you've had this experience, although I, having said that, I, I'm quite sure you have, but sometimes you have a patient sitting in front of you and you're you're going, you know, the, the process is such that you're trying to write down perhaps, let's say, certain remedies. But sometimes it's like a, 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 a light moment, isn't it? It's like a ping and the remedy already comes into your mind. And I found even... By opening a book and saying, "Oh, is that that can't be right because it's not related at all," but and you check the book and it, it's still not. But I've actually found that is the remedy that always works. Yeah, you know, it just and I'm not saying anything that oh, I know anything. Of course, I don't. But what I mean is, with practice, with observation, it just happens, doesn't it? It just yeah. happens. You you just know that that may be the indicated remedy in a case. But hang on a minute, I've just had this remedy come into my mind. This yeah. is the one. And if you yeah. follow through, that's yeah. a positive vibration, isn't it? That's a connection. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And that's very special to homeopathy. Yeah. It, it, it's kind of interesting, in, in the, the interplay between, if you let's call it intuition, let's say. Hmm. The beauty, you know, some people just say, oh, I prescribe intuitive. You think, no, that's because I don't know about you in life. Intuitively, I've been right, and I've also been wrong. The beauty with your intuition at home, you can check it out and verify it. I always say, look, it's fine, have that thought, have that thing, but as long as you can justify it in terms of repertory and all the rest of it, mm. really important. You know, yeah. and sometimes you do just try and it works, sometimes it doesn't, but know why you're doing what you're doing. Then you can backtrack if you need to. Mm. I think it's about something you said right at the beginning, which was about about listening. listening. Observation is something that you pick up, it's a skill and it becomes natural. And yeah. before you know it, it's second nature, it's just like driving a car. Yeah. You know, uh, mirror signal maneuver. We do that without thinking. We can be having a conversation with someone in the in the passenger seat. Uh, there's multiple things going on, but you're able to drive and multitask almost. Yeah. And and that's you know, homeopathy is is the observation part naturally comes in. Exactly. It's actually the listening part, isn't it? That's that's yeah. the most important part. Yeah. And fifty percent right. of the of someone's frustration of being unwell actually goes just by listening to them yeah yeah how amazing is that amazing it is utterly so it is it's funny i had a patient this morning hmm. really lovely lady nothing she suddenly burst into tears 
I said, oh, well, that's interesting. Why, why are you crying? He said, because I've never talked about myself before. There's a woman about 32, never talked about myself. So is that, you know, when we dug further, what, what, what about talking about herself is difficult, but it's just this thing that people don't talk about themselves or don't even observe themselves. Or, and that's, you know, with what we do, as long as we do it gently and carefully, people then reveal stuff they've never revealed to anybody before. Blocks, pain, etc. And that's the beauty of our job. Mm. Then we've got a system to explain what's going on for them. Wonderful. And a remedy on top of that. You can't beat it. <laughs> it's it's fascinating, though, isn't it? How how just by releasing those emotions mm. and being able to talk about a condition can help so quickly, so yeah. dramatically, and and can turn a patient around, totally. or a, or a, should I? Let's not refer to them as patient, but an individual. You know, yeah. just by getting that, it's so true, isn't it? Get get it off your chest. Yeah, that the, the, the age-old saying, "Get it off your chest." And yeah, but when you when you actually think about and ponder over that, getting it off your chest, and trying to link that to medicine, because you're saying, "Well, you're going to get better just by doing that." But it's so true. But you can't actually; it's not tangible. You can't touch it. You can't feel it. Yeah, it's it's just a, yeah. an emotion expression. Yeah, and all of a sudden, hey, presto! You know, you're you're. You're much. Yeah. I'm not saying you're cured. Of course not. But what I mean for the conversation is, you feel better. There's a release. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly. just uh, honestly. I, I I I think about these things a lot. I think I don't know. It's my age now, <laughs> but yeah, I I'm just amazed that these little things can make such a huge impact. And in today's yeah. society, in today's world, people forget the simple things of walking barefoot on the grass to ground yourself. Yeah. You know, as simple as that, you know, we've forgotten everything. It's everything has to be very complicated to yeah. justify that it's right. Yeah. Isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. You know. Now you do practice, don't you, as a homeopath, as well as uh, the yeah. contemporary as, as well yeah. as being the principal of uh, the contemporary college. Yeah, so, I do. And you practice in uh Devon? Uh, yeah, I mean nowadays it's a lot of on Zoom, isn't it? It's you know hmm. um the old days of I mean I used to practice in Ainsworth Pharmacy in London, but that that's closed. Of the farmers as, as a clinic anyway so i do miss that i do i prefer to see people face to face but you know during lockdown all that it wasn't really an opportunity it worked but um you know it's not as good because you, there's a lot you can tell through the body language the, all that stuff that you just don't see on zoom um and you know i just enjoy the different way of relating as well in person I mean, it's going to be old-fashioned soon talking like that, but, you know, as compared with seeing someone on TV screen. It's possible, but yeah. So everywhere, really, um, wherever they are, Zoom, whatever, Skype, yeah. it's. I think it's just the way it's going. I speak to, as you know, so many homeopaths uh, all over the world now, and yeah. um, they all say the same thing, that since it, not even Zoom, WhatsApp, a WhatsApp call, a video call, and it's so easy to communicate with patients. Yeah. Um, which is nice because it makes homeopathy very, very accessible, globally yeah. accessible. But uh, there's always, of course, the, as you said, observation. And that when you sit in front of a camera, like like you're sitting like me, it's very, you're very conscious and you can't tell my mannerisms. I, can, I can't tell yours. You don't know if I'm moving too much because I'm sitting still. 
Whereas when yeah. someone is physically in front of you, there's obviously movements, there's there's various micro expressions you can pick up, isn't totally. it? Totally. Yeah. yeah. But uh, but is it yeah, busy? How's it going anyway? How's it going? Busy, busy. What, what's that? Your, your practice. Yeah, I suppose fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm doing as much as I wanted. I used to be much busier, mm. but I've slowed down, do a bit more teaching and so on. So it's up to you as I want it, you know. Um, yeah, it's, you know, it's particularly as you say, Zoom has taken off and Skype and all that has meant people can, it's more accessible. You don't have to rely on your geographical area. Um, but as I say, there are advantages and disadvantages to both, you know. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. But it is good. Overall, I found that uh, because of this accessibility, homeopathy is really becoming uh, a focal point. A lot of people are now very open to it. Yeah, They may not understand it, of course, but because you can't just understand it with a, with a simple Google search. Certainly not, you know. But uh, they're willing to to learn something about it so they're aware. Yeah. Um, and that's so good. You know, we're living in a very positive time as yeah. far as homeopathy is concerned. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, you know, it's the same old thing, isn't that? You know, when you look at what's treatable allopathically, it's amazing how much isn't, you know. Mm. And... Um, you know, people have just got fed up with the, you know, well, like that woman this morning saying, gosh, I've never talked about myself before. Well, that's routine as a homeopathic consultant. What makes you tick? Who are you? They're really good question. And we live in a more, although we're apparently in this informationally, uh, information accessible world, actually people are more isolated and more lonely. So it becomes, you know, there aren't the same, so that, and I think that's to do with COVID partly, but it's, continued on from that people are not as sociable as they were i don't think they're more isolated and yeah you know kids on zoom everybody's doing it on computers it's just not great for social interaction and social interaction is talking about yourself and who you are and what makes you tick and your problems you know I think, uh, yeah. Do you know what absolutely I mean? right absolutely right it's Shocking. becoming very comfortable to stay um at home yeah. To work from home and yeah. when it does come to a, an event i've had so many people who've come up to me said oh i don't want to go i said why yeah. well, well you know it's great you're going to see your old friends or your colleagues or it's just going to be a nice experience a nice yeah. social experience yeah. a networking yeah. opportunity even yeah but it's like no i don't don't really want to do that you know i'm not, not no, interested no. in anyone you think and, uh, you know it's it's a bit worrying as well isn't it because very well our basic expression isn't it we talk to each other right yeah. you have to talk you can't live yeah. You can't live on your own. It's just no. not how we're, we're, uh, we've been designed and, and created, no. you know? Yeah, exactly. Mm. Couldn't agree more. Do you get any time, actually, for, for any hobbies? Uh, uh, I've, uh, asked, I've asked some of the guests, uh, Mike, um, some of their hobbies, and some oh, of them God, are fascinating, me. you know? Go on. Well, there's, there's plate spinning, there's wood carving, oh. there's pottery, there's... All the things I, I actually wouldn't expect have have come up so far, which is quite interesting. My, my hobby, I suppose, is um, gardening, but not heavy oh. gardening, but just you know, just some f floral gardening. I suppose you could yeah. call it. Yeah, yeah. You know, I I, oh. I do enjoy that. That's like my yeah. time to relax and switch off. Right. Ah. Oh. Well, come on, blow the gap. What was Marcus's answer? Oh, I didn't ask Marcus. I, I didn't ask him that, but uh, I've actually, you just reminded me. I have to thank Marcus for for introducing me to you, and vice versa. All right, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I've known him a long time. 
I never work out which hobby. Oh, he's got loads, actually. Um, my hobby, well, I like writing. Uh, I love playing chess. Mm. I like fishing. And I, I'm doing Aikido, which is just cracking. I love that. That is really lovely. Mm. It's like the physical equivalent of homeopathy, actually. Um, you know, the usual reading, doing nothing. Quite a lot of stuff, actually, when I think about it. Yeah, I enjoy lots of things. It's very important, too, because, as I say, very easy to get drawn into the homeopathic thing too much so it becomes all-consuming. You really need to have that, particularly, say, on the physical, because we do. We tend to sit on our arse and see patients and whatever teach. Actually, physical stuff is really important. So I do a bit of boxing and training, which is great, because it's physical. It's getting you out of your head. Homeopathy tends to be in the head. It's not physically orientated. So it's very important for people to do that for their own health, actually, mm. I think. Yeah, very, very true. Very true indeed. What uh, have you, are you working on any books? Oh, gosh, sore subject. <laughs> people keep asking me to write a book about remedy relationships. You must. I was going, that was the next question, by the way. <laughs> it? Oh, God. I know the pressure's on. Do you know why I don't? I mean, I will do. I have to. Because you write stuff down and people take this sort of, they take it literally. So, for example, if I'd said, you know, if calc carb aggravates, look to mercury and nitric acid, it becomes, oh, if calc carb aggravates, give mercury or nitric acid. So it's, it's, it's a guide, not absolutely exclusively the only related remedies it's the guide and you know as i say to students look if you find took me ages to realize polster is related to carcinosin and can come up i had never seen it i'd never heard anybody say that so i didn't trust it and then i heard enough enough people said no it happened so that goes into my but they, that doesn't mean to say you have to give polster up to carcinosin and that's the problem with writing a book mm. when i talk it through uh, you can download the Orion, O-R-I-O-N, stuff that I do, Orion. If you put that into Google, it should come up, and my name, it'll come up with downloads of remedy relationships and so on, acute and chronic. And I think there are a few, you know, two-year-in-outline details and syphilis and so on. So the thing is with that, I'm talking. So it's a kind of different, doesn't feel so written in stone. You know, it's like this is when you're teaching, you're saying, you know, always go on the indicated remedies, not what I'm telling you. Go on the indicated remedies. But often the remedies that will come up will be these remedies. But I'm a bit careful about writing it in stone because it becomes as if it's absolutely a fact that you must follow. No. You follow the vital force. You follow the symptoms presented by the vital force. And we've observed certain remedies coming up together, related to each other. That's that's what counts. The first thing is what counts. What's the vital force doing? So that's why I haven't written the book. And I'm lazy. You know, <laughs> okay, <leave>. fair enough. <laughs> I will. Um, but um, interesting. This um, the, are these lectures? These Orion lectures? Yeah, they're 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 um, recordings of lectures I've done. Yeah, for the Orion course. Yeah, um, yeah, and they're they're. They could, but a bit like you said, you don't like the sound of your own voice. I can't listen to them because it just sounds so disjointed. And anyway, other people seem to listen to them and enjoy them, but 
Yeah, I know. I was, I was, we were having this conversation actually because I, I've, I, I have to wear these headphones and I can hear myself. And uh, oh, crikey, yeah, it's really difficult to, for me to speak. So yeah, yeah. Oh, crikey, right. I don't like hearing yeah. myself at all. Yeah, no, I don't think anybody does. So uh, tell me, um, your favorite remedies. Do you have any favorite remedies? Oh, and if then, if to... you do, there's, there's, you can choose up to three only. Oh, really? <laughs> the top three. Otherwise, the list will be big. I know, like everyone. Well, it's also based on experience and the mm. ones you remember. I mean, Absolutely. it has to be half our soul would be one. Interesting. Um, yeah, I'd have to have that up there. It's like your desert island. What would you take on your desert island? Um, I love carcinosin. Amazing remedy, yeah. Oh, sensational. Amazing. Yeah. Um, I'd be actually pushed for a third in the, that bracket. I'm trying to think. I mean, they're all great. You know, I'd probably, if I had to choose, if you were talking about my own care, I'd have to take sulfur, I think. Yeah. Absolute yeah. diamond, isn't it? Absolutely. You know, it's all embracing. So, so all embracing that people don't bother to give it. It comes through rapidly so much. You think, oh, I won't bother. Sulfur's always there. And actually, it's probably the remedy. You know, yeah. Yeah, those three. And. Next question. <laughs> favorite, yeah. favorite books. Homeopathic books. Well, ideally, but uh, hey, it's open. It's up to you. What books uh, have really made an um, impression on you, let's see? I think homeopathically, obviously, I, I'm, you're going to take out the classics like The Organ, yeah. obviously. Uh, Kent will take out the I think one of the most important ones for me was Douglas Borland, Dr. Borland, Emergencies in General Practice. Hmm. Because it's, I love the way he didn't write much. He wrote children's type, but the way he writes and this is just so beautifully simple and just, you know, also related a bit to what Andrew. He was, he did talk about the relationship with remedies a bit, but I just think he's stunning, stunning man, stunning writer. I don't often see good writers being homeopaths, but he was. Mm. So it would have to be that would be my number one. Um, yeah, there are, there are a few other homeopathic ones. In terms of other books, I think probably Crime and Punishment by Dostoyevsky is a cracker. Okay. Well, a big Russian, you can't, you'd like pages, it takes you ages to get into it. Once you get into it, it's so beautifully descriptive of the human psyche guilt all that stuff that reminds me of the huge uh, book of lord of the rings because it takes yeah. a long time to actually um get into that and you think yeah. well, do i do i want to read but once you do get in it's this magical totally. capture isn't it yeah 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 absolutely yeah. thomas hardy you know he's the same it's like really detailed at the beginning oh god i can't be what like when they had again they were writing by hand so it's paced differently it's like yeah. this lovely slowness you have to slow down to really take it in as with so many other things. Mike, what's on the horizon for you? What are you up to sort of later this year? Uh, what's uh, what's taking place? Uh, more teaching is involved around the yeah, world? Yeah, yeah. Or... Well, I'll be teaching CHE in London, as I do mostly, most weekends. Um, my own college as well. Mm. Uh, maybe going to Ireland to teach. But I might be doing a, um, a seminar in spain 
which I'm really going to be working. They'll be advertising about that soon in Malaga. Um, and I just love the idea of going to the south of Spain in May next year, eating paella with a group of interested students. Who, and then you can go to the beach in the afternoon. You know, I haven't done that sort of stuff. You know, other people do it, but I'm going to do it hopefully this next year. So I'm looking, really hoping that that takes off. What else? Well, we're going to get the Orion course going, as we've said. We've talked about that. A uh, few other little projects in mind, but I'd have to kill you if I told you because they're top secret. Mm. Um, okay. Yeah, afraid, <laughs> yeah, it's up to you, but I wouldn't. Um, yeah, you know, quite a lot. Maybe start writing the book. Please do. Remedy relationships. Yeah. yeah but yeah. just make sure it guides to remedy relationships. Oh, I will. <laughs> don't you worry about that. I'll, don't you worry. I will do, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's uh, you know it's been a, a real pleasure and honour to be able to talk to you. So thank That's you so fun. much for taking time out and and coming on to the podcast and sharing your insights and experiences. It's really been great. Great. Well, thank you for having me. Pleasure. Much. And I hope later this year, or certainly early next year, um, you'll come back and and share some more. Sure, no problem. You get out there and enjoy the sunshine. It's beautiful here. Yeah? I do hope you've enjoyed the Homeopathy Health Show here on UK Health Radio, the world's number one talk health radio. Tune in next time for more things homeopathy, interviews and segments on the healing possibilities that homeopathy can bring you. And don't forget to visit UK Health Radio online at www.ukhealthradio.com to see the many other amazing shows available to listen live and on demand. Or why not download the app? from the iOS and Android stores. Until next time, stay safe and take care.